Please pray the words, come Holy Spirit, with me three times. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Father in heaven, we ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit upon us. Please give us the gift of interpretation, understanding of your holy and sacred word. Please remove all distractions, anything that is not of God from our minds, bodies, and souls so that we can receive to believe. We make all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you've heard of the, um, this, the story. Sometimes people have drawn it now because it's been around for a while, but there's this person who's sitting on their rooftop, right? And there's a, a flood that's come through it. And they're sitting there, and then a person comes around with a, a boat, and they have a life preserver. They throw it out. And the person says, come on, grab it, grab it. And they just kind of sit there, and they're like, nope, I'm praying to God. He's going to come save me. And they're like, suit yourself. And then a person comes around in a canoe, and they, they say, hey, come on, jump in. We'll, we'll, we'll get you out of here. Nope, I'm not going in. I'm not going in. Uh, I'm waiting for my God. I'm praying to my God. And then a person comes around in a boat that has a motor on it, and they say, hey, we see you're stranded here. The only one here. Everyone else is, is on the boat. Come on, come on with us. They said, nope, I'm praying to my God. He's going to come save me. And then a big yacht comes around, which can fit a lot of people, right? And they just like, it even has a ladder like attached to the yacht right next to the house. And they pull up and say, hey, just take two steps and come towards us and uh, we'll get you out of here. Nope, I'm praying to my God. He'll come save me. And then like a helicopter comes around and lowers the ladder and the person has like the, mic- the megaphone, right? Come down, come up here. We'll save you. We'll save you. We'll save you. And they realize, I'm praying to my God. I'm praying to my God. I'm praying to my God. He's going to come save me. Well, at that point, the, the water has overtaken the house. The person doesn't go and they drown and they die. And when they die, they go before God and they, and they said, Lord, I was praying to you and why didn't you come save me? Came by in the canoe, came by on the, the life preserver, came by on the boat, literally sent you a yacht, came by the helicopter, and you missed every single sign I was sending you. It's very easy for us when we hear that story to sometimes think, well, that's other people, that's other people, but I'm talking about us personally, me and Jesus, me and the Lord. Like, how many signs is the Lord sending us to come save us? It can come in many ways, but sometimes he sends us people to come before us and to offer us saving grace. And the saving grace he gives each of us is meant to allow us to go out and do the same for others. It's a a natural exchange because what, what he's done for me, I would have drowned, I would have suffocated, you name it. I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for him. But then I also have to accept it. I, got to, I have to take a step in that direction. And that can be a leap of faith because maybe the person who was sitting on the house was just you know, kind of sitting there being like, I don't know who the flip you are. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to trust you. You could be some freaking weirdo for all I know. You could be a total like psychopath. I'm not going to take your life preserver. But maybe they're not. Maybe they're the, the person who's going to help you in ways you could never imagine we call faith. You're not always going to see where the Lord is calling you to go. And that's hard for Americans because we have so many different programs that tell you step one, and then you put the screw in, and then you put step two, and you connect this piece, and it's all set out for us. But that's not always the way the faith is. St. Paul says we walk by faith and not by sight, right? 
And Jesus comes to us, and what he's trying to do it to teach us to walk by faith and not by sight is he gives us parables. These are teaching stories because some, some of us, we need stories. Some of us like, yep, just give me the black and the white, and I'll do the red. Simple. I can do that. But some of us, we have very thick skulls and very hard hearts and very soft feet. What the Lord wants to do is he wants to harden our feet so we can trust him and soften our hearts so we can be loved by him and share his love. So he comes to us ask, telling us what the kingdom of God is like. And a lot of us, we don't like this kingdom because it's better than we could ever imagine. It's so good. He comes to us talking about a vineyard owner who is such a good vineyard owner. He's going to give everyone the same gift, eternal life, eternal salvation. Everyone who accepts it. And some people are going to accept it early. Most of us were here because somehow we accepted this message, this life-saving message, this gospel, this power over sin and death. But then we get older, and some people start converting. And we get angry at them because maybe they get popular fast, or they get, they get a little, little extra notice than we get. But the Lord, as, he, as, as, as if, you, if you've accepted a saving message, he's going to ask you, like, then you have to go share it. Which he asks that question, why do you stand here idle all day? A lot of us struggle with evil because we know the saying, idle hands are whose workshop? The devil's, right? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. That's why the gospel is not being spread so prominently in the Catholic Church right now, or in Christianity in general, is because a lot of us are just too idle, And people are looking for hope. Like most people aren't scrolling, hoping, hey, I hope my depression gets worse, right? They're not hoping that I hope my life gets worse and I, I burn in hell. Like they're not hoping for that. They're hoping that someone will come to them. And they might not even recognize it, like the, the woman on the top of the house. So Jesus invites them too. He says, you two come into my vineyard. And he says, you're all going to get the same pay, eternal life. But the way this works for me when I look at this is I, I think of baseball. I'm a baseball player. I like parables, but I try to think, Lord, how are you speaking to me in a way that I can understand? Like some people, like, it's just like a natural thing to start at home and they, they, they learn how to hit and they go to first base, second base, third base, they get back home. But then there's, when you're a pitcher, as I was in baseball, like the one thing that always kind of drove me nuts was having somebody on third base. It's the end of the game, and they steal home, and they get the victory. And you're just, as a pitcher, you're like, how did I not see that coming? I'm so angry. And that's what, a lot, what it kind of feels like. It's like they stole home. They made it home, which is the whole goal of the, of the Christian faith. We start from God, and we come back to God. And that can make us angry when that, those kind of things happen to us. Like, Lord, I've been working so hard. Like, it's going to be like 97 degrees a day with 100 whatever heat index, if you've been working in the heat and working in the heat, you're just like, Lord, I've been working so hard. How come they get the easy result? How come they get the easy pass? The question is, do you want them to get to heaven or not? And if they get to heaven, like, relax. That's the whole point. That's the gift of Jesus. And some people convert on their deathbed, which is like stealing home. Maybe you know John Wayne converted on his deathbed. George Washington converted to the Catholic faith on his deathbed. 
Because sometimes there's this fear in us. If I become Catholic and I give my life to Jesus, like totally give him my life, like what are other people going to say about me? John Wayne struggled with that. George Washington struggled with that. When they went into George Washington's house, into his attic, they found so many books in the Catholic faith. He was studying in silence, studying in secret, just wanting to come home to the Catholic Church. He had statues of the Blessed Mother. And that's who the generous one is, is the Blessed Mother. She is full of grace. And would she rather see him know the fullness of the truth in the Catholic Church or never at all? And maybe the Lord was sending George Washington books as signs and statues as signs that you belong here. If you ever go out to St. Peter's Square, which I've never been, but I've seen it many times, there's all these pillars around it. It's supposed to represent the arms of the church to welcome everyone in, to know that you belong here. This is your home. This is your family. Everyone belongs in the Catholic Church. That's how generous God is. Not everyone's going to believe everything right away. They might come to deeper conversion later in life. I was talking to Michaela on our way here. My mom became Catholic when I was one. She had a lot of Lutheranism in her, and it was a lot of this. Catholics worship Mary. You can't talk about Mary. Mary is bad. All these things. And that was in her head for like 30 years. So you can imagine hearing that for 30 years. And then she met a Lutheran pastor in one of the synods. I'm not going to name the synod. And he, she asked the question, as if she's now married to my dad, what are your thoughts about praying with Catholics? And he said, absolutely not. And it shook my mom to the core. She didn't know that Lutherans would ever say something like that. You can't pray with other Christians? Like, what is that all about? And it really made her think, maybe I should go to the Catholic Church. So she, be, she went through RCIA, which is now called OCIA, which is a whole other conversation, um, the Order of Christian uh, Initiation for Adults. But she went through that in the 80s. You can imagine how wishy-washy it was, and became Catholic. And 20 years into her being Catholic, her son, who is moi, me, right, says, I think God wants me to be a priest. She was crushed. She didn't receive it well at all. She wanted grandkids. She, didn't, she never met a joyful priest. But then she got curious, which is a beautiful stage of conversion. It's a beautiful stage of being in your faith. Like, what do, what do they teach? Why do they do this? So she started going to priests at the little parish, saying, why does my son want to be a priest? And just start, and then started learning, and then she went to the Women of Christ Conference in Milwaukee and heard Immaculate speak, who survived the Rwanda genocide. And she started talking about Mary. Started talking about Mary, how she'd pray the rosary when she was locked in a bathroom for months, and would pray the rosary over and over and over and over. My mom had this idea, I guarantee it's the Holy Spirit, she said, maybe I just need to get to know somebody named Mary. Maybe I just need to know you, Mary. So Mary, I just want to know you. Very simple prayer. That next week, my mom met four women named Mary. Two had sons were priests and two had sons who were seminarians. 
now she's like uber Catholic. Like she goes to the shrine and champion like once a week. I'm not actually once a month, once a week, that'd be crazy, right? Uh, goes to daily mass. We have like statues in our house of like different saints and we have rosaries and religious art up everywhere. Like she's totally in love with Jesus. But who was the patient one? Who didn't force the faith on her? It was my dad. He wanted to pray the rosary with her so bad, but he knew that it was a red flag thing with her, so he just didn't go there. But he prayed and he fasted for her. And it was me accepting the invitation of Jesus that brought my mom closer to him. What does that mean for you today? When you accept Jesus, it's going to bring other people to Jesus. When you reject Jesus, it's going to make other people reject Jesus. It's just that simple. The more you open your heart to Jesus, the more it'll open other people's hearts to Jesus. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. But you never know who you're going to inspire by giving your heart over to the Lord, by accepting his invitation to enter his vineyard. And you don't have to know. Like, I didn't know my mom was going to, like, be this uber Shiite Catholic. I didn't know that. But that's what accepting the call does. It inspires others to do the same. And it was just me just saying, I think God wants me to be a priest. And then she got curious, and my dad's patience was just mainly the whole thing. And the Lord is so patient, and he's patient, and he's generous. And sometimes you can think, God, you are so good. Why do I often get angry? Why do I often get frustrated with others? You've been nothing but patient to me. You're always sending people to me. You're always sending things to me to provide for me that I don't deserve. One thing if you want to grow in your faith today is to reflect maybe in your holy hour today is how patient God has been with you. Man, is God patient with us. He's so generous with patience, the grace of helping us be patient. Like, do you realize like how patient God's been with you? He's always just so, just so patient. And what that's meant to do is help us be patient with others. Not expecting instant results, not expecting them to see every single sign the Lord sends. And I often reflect on Our Lady as Our Lady of Patience, like just thinking of that conversation with the angel Gabriel, thinking about her having the God of the universe in her womb for nine months, visiting Elizabeth for three months, waiting for the birth of Jesus, the waiting and being patiently waiting for the, the shepherds to come, the angels to come, bringing Jesus to the temple, to Simeon. Waiting until he was 12 years old and then, you know, participating in all the Jewish feasts and waiting three days while he was lost in the temple, right? Which prefigured his crucifixion and being um, buried for three days. Waiting for 30 years for him to start his public ministry. Waiting in agony at the foot of the cross for three hours as he hung there, suffocating for your sins and my sins. Waiting three days as he was separated from her for the first time. waiting as he ascended and the waiting for 50 days for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and waiting for you and me. 
to open our hearts to Jesus fully, completely, and never looking back again. So we pause and we just reflect for a moment on the patience of God, the generosity of God. And think if you opened your heart more to God, like who else will open their heart? That's such a hopeful thing. And one thing Jesus always offers is hope. You can't have Jesus without hope. Impossible. So we pause and we just reflect. As he's been waiting for us in the Holy Eucharist, waiting for us in his word. I wonder what he wants to do for you today. That gives me great hope. He has great plans for us. Amen.